Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 uh, and also womentowatch.net. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm thrilled to be back in the studio uh, with a guest and, of course, our lovely co-host, Dr. Beth Dupree, who's joining us this afternoon from the hospital, uh, Holy Redeemer Health System. How are you, Beth? Susan, how are you? Did you have a good weekend? Had a great weekend. Yes, another weekend at home, though, working. We're doing a lot of at-home projects, um, which I'm not happy when I'm doing them, but always happy at the end when I feel like we've accomplished something. We we always, with a 300-year-old property, we are always in the middle of projects. But uh, my project this weekend was entertaining my staff from Surgical Services here at Holy Redeemer. I had the group over for a little picnic on Saturday, and um, I think they think I'm a little antiquated because instead of getting a caterer, my husband and I actually cooked for 60 people. (laughs) Well, that doesn't surprise me, but I'm sure it surprised them. Well, it's kind of like when you go to a restaurant and you find out that the chef is in a bad mood. Do you really want to eat the food? So <laughs> when you when you cook and you cook with love and you infuse it with all of the gratitude for the people that uh, allow you to make your day in the operating room be the way that it is and to give the care to your patients. Um, and they actually, either they lied because they all said that they loved the food, and they kept going back for seconds and thirds. So I'm hoping that they didn't just, you know, do it to, you know, make me try to feel good. But uh, I used some recipes that I've had for years from my mom um, for her Hamburg barbecue. So it was, it was truly an outdoor kind of picnic. I made the homemade baked beans and coleslaw and pulled pork. It was fun. Mm. And I also made, uh, I, I called it pulled tofu. I made tofu. Um, and vegan baked beans for my friends who were vegan. So uh, it was a great it was a great weekend. We had beautiful weather. And the funniest thing of all, there probably were 25 little kids there. And um, I don't have a lot of kid things because my kids are now adult kids. And uh, they entertained themselves with the hose for three hours. I kid you not. <laughs> three hours. These kids. And, you know, they came, they're all looking really adorable, dressed in their cute little outfits, and they were all so polite. And once they discovered the hose, end of story, they filled my husband's uh, cement mixing um, barrel with water and created a swimming pool. And uh, it was uh, it was pretty funny. I, I have some great pictures of, of the kids just being kids. And I looked at that and I was like, oh, to be, you know, to be that age again, to think that, your biggest concern is, are your parents going to get ticked off about you being soaking wet? So <laughs> How many did you have total? Um, about 25 kids and probably close to 50 adults. Okay. And, uh, wow. That, that, is I, that uh, something you do every year? Um, well, probably now I will. But I, I am going to have a set-up set volunteer group and a cleanup group because those are the two – those are two big parts of it. Joe and I didn't finish till late yesterday afternoon, kind of taking down the tents and putting, you know, putting back the tables and chairs and stuff. But uh, it was a lot of fun. Even in the, it was a wicked hot day, but uh, I, it was a day that I wished I had my swimming pool again from my old house. But it was absolutely <laughs> wonderful. It was, it was just nice to have some downtime with a lot of the doctors and the anesthesiologists, and you know, to see their kids and watch them interact and and. Uh, 
particularly for our staff, just to let them know how much we appreciate what they do for us. Because working in the operating room is a very stressful, it's a stressful job. It's, uh, it's a lot of detail, um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of moving parts. And to be able to say thank you to the people that actually make my day um, is pretty great. So we, you know, you know we, we did a spa day for our office not so long ago. And uh, it's very important for, our, for the people who care for our patients. Um, to be very well cared for because they absolutely need it too. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that you do, do that. I'm, and I'm sure, do you do similar things um, with your foundation and all, you know, your team around your foundation? Yeah, we, we try to, you know, here's the thing. If caregivers don't care for themselves and if they don't get to spend any time um, not, like, you've got to learn to receive. You know, I, I'm giving to myself next week. I'm going to be doing a one week, it starts tomorrow, um, so I will take time out next Tuesday, uh, to, uh, next Monday afternoon to be with you. But I have uh, seven days. I'm uh, going to be with um, this amazing Indian healer, Babaji, at a conference called Science Beyond Science, which is going to be held in Trenton, New Jersey. So anybody that wants to learn about it, you can go on and Google Science Beyond Science. And it's um, kind of a uh, the, the next level of my personal development and continuing to know and understand that spirituality is a huge component in the healing process and to understand that how it all interrelates and you know what we do in the to the physical body is just the very beginning of that healing process you know removing a cancer or um, treating a specific disease we also have to treat the the spirit and the um, and the, the soul of the person who we're caring for so you know, I'm excited about my week. Yeah, and you know what? I'm really going to be looking forward to following up with you on that um, on that trip. Our our week after that, we'll have a lot to talk I, about. I might be floating into the studio if I get my way. I'll, I'll just like be uh, I'll be so buzzed from the entire experience. Yeah. Um, do, doing the, doing those types of uh, professional development is really energizing. Um, it's very grounding. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it may seem odd, but it really brings you to a place of. Um, you know, humility and uh, understanding, you know, the role that we as physicians play in the healing process because I, I truly believe that, you know, I chose to be a physician because I was a healer uh, deep down inside. And uh, this is really kind of the culmination allowing me to do the best of both worlds, allow me, allowing me to use my incredible Western medical skills um, and combine them with Eastern healing modalities, which is absolutely where I believe I was meant to be at this point in my life. And yeah. hanging out with you on Monday afternoons, which uh, it, it, via Skype I love it because at least I can see your face. Yeah. I know I'm not physically there. I'm at our, at our remote studio at Holy Redeemer. Thank you, Dr. Dershaw, for your remote studio slash office. It's lovely <laughs> that he operates Monday afternoons. It's a radio office, studio. But, uh, it's a hospital. It's very cool. It is. It's right off the delivery room in case they need me for something. Oh, like, I, I didn't know, know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know what to do in a delivery room anymore because uh, I haven't been there uh, personally for almost 19 years when I delivered my last son. So I think you'd son, figure it out. Somehow I think you'd figure it out. Uh, and my dean is leaving for college tomorrow. Oh, wow. Big day. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Big, big day of Second year of college, the whole apartment thing. Mm-hmm. It's uh, and he's he's just very not phased by it. It cracks me up. He's just whatever. I yep. was undoing all the stuff that we bought last week for uh, for the college, you know, for his kitchen. I was taking all the labels and stickies and all of the pieces of paper off of it and packing it nicely. And I'm thinking, all this stuff costs this much, and it fits into one little Tupperware <laughs> pail. <laughs> 
we're going to be doing the same thing with Christopher next week. He's he's moving from one apartment to another, so we have a lot of similar things going on. We'll have to get you a chip. We'll have to get back together this fall so that we can, you know, now that we're going to be empty nesters again, yep. we can uh, we can re-nest and, uh, and get the guys back together. So Sounds it's good. It's all good. And Sounds I'm very excited about our guest today. I know. I am as well. call-in number, by the way? Did you give out the call No, I'm going to do that right now. Um, if you're listening and you want to give a call-in to talk to either Dr. Dupree or our wonderful guest I'm going to introduce momentarily, our call-in number is 888-239-3306. 888-239-3306. And uh, you can listen always as well to any of the podcasts at womentowatch.net. And that's women, the number two, watch.net. Um, so I'm thrilled today to have our guest. And she's actually on the phone joining us from London. Um, we talk to women all over the globe. Um, it, it's more and more fun every week. Her name is Mariana Condi. And she is a film producer and a director. Uh, most recently, she directed a film, uh, an award-winning short film called, now I'm going to say Control, it's C-T-R-L. Mariana, welcome to the show. Thank you, Susan. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> it seems well, like, yes. over the phone. <laughs> over the phone. You know I wish you were here in person, but um, this is the next best thing. Yes, exactly, exactly. And and just so the listeners, it's nighttime for you, right? It's about it's eight o'clock. Yes, it is. It's getting dark and darker. I had to remind myself that I had to um, turn on the lights because <laughs> it's getting dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 strange to have you know a show um, where one person is in nighttime and one is in the afternoon. Um, but it, it works. So, and you know, you and I were fortunate to meet in person. You you came to Philadelphia when you were um, coming to receive an award for your film. And so I do. I feel like we know each other pretty well. Um, and I want to give the listeners a real sense of where you came from and how you got into this career and and continue to pursue um, your life as a female director and producer, which is fantastic. Um, you were born in Portugal, which I have since learned is a really beautiful place to grow up. I've done a little bit of research, and um, I understand, <laughs> you know, just for, simply from a weather standpoint, it seems amazing year-round. Yes, it is. It's beautiful and warm. Well, especially when compared to London. Although I'm, I was used to thinking of my hometown as slightly cold because it's north of Portugal. But once I moved to London, I can't think that way anymore. Well, and I know you, you go back and forth, don't you? I do. I Well, I haven't been there for over a year now, which I think it's getting to the longest time I've been away from home. Mm-hmm. But that's because at the moment my mum's been coming to see me and we've been doing things together like going on holidays together and and I no longer feel like I have to go back so much because in terms of family she is here yes quite often yes listen speaking of family I I know how much of an influence your grandmother 
was on you growing up. And it's it's such a great story because, you know, grandparents have a whole different role from mom and dad. And I wonder if you can talk for a few minutes about what it was that your grandmother said to you growing up and some of the stories she shared with you that led you into uh, filmmaking and storytelling. Well, go ahead. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> so um, my grandmother came from a very different generation. Um, in Portugal, things were very different at the time. And um, I think one of the ways she found to make herself feel good about herself, one of the ways she liked to enjoy her time for herself was by reading um, poems and short stories and Books. She. T- I think she turned to books as a way to um, escape reality, maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was young, she used to read me stories in bed. So she would read me short poems and, you know, kind of fairy tales from often with Portuguese bases. And um, my mum as well, she would read a lot to me. And I think being exposed to those worlds, they were so different to my own, really um, started up my creativity Mm -hmm. and made me think of worlds that were different from my own, ways of thinking that, that I just wouldn't know of otherwise. It, it was a very different time from today. I wouldn't watch a lot of telly when I was young. I actually didn't get exposed to, exposed to filmmaking till much later in my life. So really, you, your interests when you were younger seemed to lie in the arts and, and storytelling and psychology, with which, you know, all kind of um, cross over each other, specifically, um, you know, in, in film and television, any type of media, um, you know, is often about storytelling. And I think it's it's just interesting that you were not doing the typical thing that the young girls were doing. Um, you were more interested in really what was going on in the world and what was going on around you. Absolutely. I remember break time at school. I would find a little corner and just read a book. <laughs> you were a bookworm. I was a bit of a geek, yeah, I was. <laughs> that's a good thing. You know, that's a good thing. We're always trying to teach young people that, you know, reading a lot of books um, should be cool and not, you know, not look down on. Absolutely. Um, it was so important to me. I don't think if I'd um, read those books as a young girl, I would have, um, I think, identified the beauty in film and what I could do with film. Because I, it was the storytelling process, the narrative, the creation of an expectation and excitement and discovery of of these different worlds and different characters that I got from reading books that I that still excite me in films. Right. Now, I, I understand you spent some time in Lisbon, um, which is in Portugal, and you, you spent some time acting. Is that something that you were <laughs> interested in pursuing, or were you always interested in kind of being on the other side of the camera? Well, I never wanted to be an actress. Um, I was fascinated with fashion when I was younger. I've always liked visual things. 
and as a young girl growing up, there's nothing more visual than fashion. Right. You know, clothes, colors, combination, style, it was all very exciting and appealing to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that mixed with the storytelling is what makes me want to be a director. Um, but I, I didn't act much in these, but I studied acting, which is slightly different. So I was I was attending classes at this um, school called Evoe, or Corpo des Arts, and um, I was learning the techniques that the actors use to improvise to respond so that they're when they're acting that performance feels fresh and real to us well i would and imagine that spending doing that taking the time to, to you know to um study acting is you know would be tr- a tremendous asset to then turning around and being a producer or a director absolutely basically when i moved to lisbon um I'd already, I'd been studying in Wales. So I I left my country to go and study filmmaking in Wales. And um, when I went back to Portugal, I suffered a bit of a cultural shock because I'd been away for three years. They were very important years in my life. You know, it's that age 19 to to 21 mm-hmm. where your personality is really kind of coming together and you finding a way of react, reacting with others and um, working, interacting, expressing yourself. And when I went back to Portugal, I felt like I didn't quite fit in. I, I think I always kind of felt like I didn't really fit in. I don't know if it was all those books I read about other countries and other characters. Right. And but I always felt a bit of an outsider and then when I went back, um that kind of became a bit more obvious to me. I really tried my best to stay there and to kind of find my way back in my country and my culture and community. But um it was very hard also in terms of finding work. The industry is not as developed as the industry here in the UK, mm-hmm. um, especially the advertising industry in London. It's very strong. And when I went to Portugal, I didn't have a lot of options. It was very hard finding work. Luckily, at the time, um, my granddad actually offered to pay me for a course, anything I wanted. And this was quite unusual because my granddad is quite a um, conservative character, let's say. Okay. <laughs> but somehow <laughs> he's got a bit of a, um, a trust relationship with me. And um, when when he said that, I went back, I I thought about what I wanted to do. And I was, okay, what, what would really help me and what would make me feel better about myself as well as a person I was in a bit of a dark place would be to study acting. I would really enjoy that and that would be useful to what I want to be in the future. So I found the courage and I told him, Granddad, I want to do this acting course. <laughs> and my he guess is... For he, my granddad, that's he, quite a... <laughs> right. he, he was, you know, hoping for a doctor, lawyer, you know, business entrepreneur. So what was his response? 
Well, it had to be a short course. It wasn't that much money. <laughs> <laughs> he was willing so maybe, to invest a maybe, little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. He does know me. He, he, he wasn't as surprised as I thought he would be. And he said yes, so I did it. Good, good. And, and that, that was what kept me sane at that, at that time. Otherwise, I think I was at, very close to having a, a breakdown, a proper emotional breakdown. So it was good that I found a way out of it. So mm. every evening I would go to my acting classes and I would be surrounded by creative people. They were excited about what they're doing, sharing ideas, and that just kept me going forward. Mm. And, and Mariana, how old were you at that time? I was... I believe I was 22. 22. And so tell me about what was your first break um, in film? Because I know you, you worked on quite uh, a few projects prior to your short film that you just you know won awards for. And um, what was the very first one that kind of got you into the field? Well, it's difficult to say. I think... The very first film I made was before I went to university. So at that stage, um, I already was aware that I wanted to study film. My mum really helped me figure that out because when I was 15, I had to make a choice um, in terms of school and education. So I had to choose art or humanities or science and I was very divided between arts and humanities. And um, my mum knew that. I was like, oh, I'll be a fashion designer or I'll be a writer. And she was like, you're not going to be happy with either. You know, like if you go and do fashion, you're not going to be feel fulfilled um, in terms of telling stories and communicating with people. And if you go and become a writer you're not gonna have the visual side mm -hmm. so she took me around the the school high schools i think they're equivalent to high schools maybe almost college in portugal they three-year courses that you do at that age and she found something very different that i wasn't aware existed which was an imaging communication course and um when I looked at the curriculum, they had photography, video, multimedia, drawing, English, <laughs> philosophy, literature. You know, it just had a bit of all the things that I love. Mm -hmm. So it was through that course that um, I figured out I loved film. I I remember watching 900 by um, Bertolucci. Sorry, it's not 900, it's um, 1900? 1900, yes. <laughs> yeah, 1900. By Bertolucci. And um, watching Wild at Heart and just realizing what could be done. Because so far, you know, all I knew about was people make films like Die Hard, really. <laughs> like Die Hard. Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against. It's a, it's a fun movie. Right. <laughs> but it didn't make me want to make films, you know? Right, so, yeah. And. Um, it was discovering these different um, directors that I wasn't exposed to that made me want to do it. And then um, 
when I finished that course and I was looking at my possibilities in terms of university, I found, um, well, I realized I wanted to come to the UK mm-hmm. and um, I needed a showreel. I needed to something to prove that I was worth being accepted on these, the courses I want, the course I wanted to do. Okay. So I, I actually took a year off. I did an um, internship at an animation company where I was the first woman. Uh, I was working surrounded by men animators. <laughs> I was the first female there. And I also, I worked on making a film, a film that could show what my potential was as a director. So that was the first short film I made. You know, you you just mentioned being, you know, the first female in this animation um, company. And and one of the questions I wanted to ask you was why do you personally feel that, you know, women, I believe, are such great storytellers. Why do you think there are so few female directors? Well, from what I see by being in the industry, um, the directors are very ballsy. You know, they, they they really have to go for it. If you want to be a director, you can't be shy. Right. And you can't sit back and wait for it to, to happen. And um, I think... As a female, you kind of, I don't know if it's the education that you receive, that you have to find some sort of security, that you want to earn money so you can look after yourself and not depend on anyone. That's very much the mentality of the modern woman, isn't it? And to do that, you need to be working. And I remember at university, I was told only... Out of the 80 people that were doing my course, only about, you know, three or five of us would make it into directing, if we're lucky. So when you come out of university, your main preoccupation is finding work. And you know you can't find that work um, as a director, so you, you tend to find something else that you can do to have that stability. And I think modern women mentality, we, we want to be strong and independent. So we want to be earning money. We want to be working. And when I joined the industry, women were still seen as organizers mainly. So being pushed into doing production was the done thing. You know, if you're good, you're organized, you know how to talk to people, you know how to present yourself, mm-hmm. and you're a quick learner, you go into production. And and that's what happened to me. Um, and I, I noticed there was a big difference in the male directors at work. They're very strong and um, decisive people and they come across as very confident. They might not have a clue what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they're, they're faking it. That way. <laughs> That's yeah. right. That's and right. Just, yeah. And, and it took me a few years to realize that I need to be a, more, be a bit more like that. I need to trust myself. 
I need to believe that I know what I'm doing and that I can pull it off. And when I look back, there was about four years when I came back to to the UK where I didn't really make any of my own films because I was just struggling to earn enough money to go back. Right, but but you know, but kudos to you for continuing to to pursue it and to be so consistent. Um, we're Mariana. We're going to take a, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to find out what was the inspiration behind your short film. We'll be right back. Of course. Thank you. There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography and automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus, our same-day readings mean same-day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com slash mammogram. Welcome back, everyone, to this week of Women to Watch. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm in the studio today being joined by our, our guest who's who's calling us actually from London. Uh, we also have Dr. Dupree on Skype. I can see her lovely face. Uh, our guest again is Mariana Condi, and she's calling in from London. She is a film producer and a director, originally from Portugal. And she also uh, produced and directed an award-winning film called Control, um, Mariana, is that correct? When I say control, do you do you title it as that, or do you say CTRL? I say control more often. Okay, good, <laughs> good. I want to make sure that I'm, um, you know, saying the right thing. Um, I, I'd love to jump right in and find out what the inspiration was behind this short film. It's really, it's clever. I think it's relevant in that it, you know, has to do with technology, and it's also funny, um, and and. For the listeners, they can take a look at it at control.com. But go ahead and talk about how, you know, what was the inspiration behind it? Well, actually, I didn't come up with the idea. Uh, My partner, Stu, you met. Yes. um, He is a web developer, and he comes home often with these crazy ideas, and sometimes he believes they're all amazing, right? But... um, some are really great, and this was one of them. And what attracted me to the idea was we could make it. So Control is a, a short film about an almost love interest. Uh, <laughs> these two characters are about to meet when they get hijacked by a phone app. And... Um, So there's this phone app that can control people, and they are being controlled. And when when Stu told me, what if there was this application that people could use to control other people? Imagine a short film about that. I I just turned to him and I said, you know what? I can imagine that, and I want to direct it, and we can make it. And it was the right time in my life where I'd been kind of getting my confidence back, wanting to um, prove what I can do as a director and go back into making my own project. So I jumped right in and we started working on the concept together. 
I brought in one of my close friends, Donna Maybe, who is uh, a producer mainly in film and TV series. And we all brainstormed a lot. We brought in some friends into the discussion, developed several different scripts. We we actually got a script for a long story um, that we'd like to make. Um, and if there are any brands, for example, interested in um, getting involved, we welcome uh, all kinds of support. But um, when we sat down again and looked at all the options, we realized we had to dial it back and go back to what made this story exciting and just make something simple. And that's what we did. Simple, exciting, fresh, different, and about the theme that we're very passionate about, which is the way we use technology nowadays and where it's going and the good side and the bad side. And I think control brings that discussion. Although it's only a three and a half minute show, it's, it's quite complex in terms of theme. Well, you know, what's so interesting, we see and talk about things that, you know, might come to be uh, in technology all the time. And the next thing you know, there's actually an app out there doing it. So I can't imagine <laughs> this would be one of those apps. But it's it's really, you know, it's just so exciting to um, contemplate what is down the road when it comes to, to apps and, and different tools in technology. Absolutely. And... If we look at the way society is interacting, you know, with all the, the like, matching apps and likes and dislikes and sweeps and just looking at people on a little screen and making all sorts of judgment, it really makes you think about um, how we want to live as a society. That's right. And how we want to use our tools. That's right. Because as you said, there are positives and negatives. Um, you know, uh, Mariana, Beth wanted to ask, she spends most of her time, or a lot of her time, I should say, in the OR um, as a surgeon. And she wanted to ask you a question about um, a director in the OR. Beth, go ahead. Of course. Mariana, first of all, your accent, I could listen to you speak all day long. It's so beautiful and you're, it's so fluid. And I feel like I'm, I'm already I, that we've that we've jumped across the pond to be with you. So um, kudos. Um, I I have been filmed many times doing surgery, doing procedures. Uh, but about a year ago, I had a director come to the operating room. He had two different cameramen, and it's very funny because I'm in the operating room and I'm in my zone. I'm doing my surgery, and I am constantly focused on my patient. Now, besides the fact that he put a GoPro type camera on my forehead that gave me a waffle forehead because he had to get the shot. And as I'm as I'm doing the surgery, he's like, "Well, you need to move to the left, move to the right." I'm like, "Yo, dude, listen, I'm operating on somebody here. I do get cancer operation. Your job is to be creative to get the shot. I am not moving my head out of the way for you to get the shot." And so I can see how you know I I would probably be a pretty good director because I do direct in the operating room, but it was very funny. Um, having a director there trying to create the story, which it, it's actually it's a it's a he did a beautiful job and it's a educational video to teach other surgeons. Hello. Oh, Beth. Have I lost you? I, I I think we lost Beth for a second. Oh no! I hope she'll come back. I do too. <laughs> 
Let's yes. see. I'm going to. Make... I know what Beth is saying about being intrusive. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because he wanted her to be an actor, and she's she's I have waffle forehead for the rest of my life. But oh. the director got a shot. He got his shot. But, you know, you know, I was just saying, we lost you for a second there, Beth. But what I was saying was he wanted you, this director wanted you to be an actor. And you're a surgeon doing some serious work. Right. I, I was playing a surgeon I would do. Real. I wouldn't do that, Beth. <laughs> she wouldn't do that. Maybe we should, maybe Mariana could come and, and do a, you know, we'll talk about a film um, centered around your work, Beth. That would be there awesome. You there you go. I can't wait. I would I did, love I did, that, I did, Beth. I did submit my uh, my request to be able to get the link to watch the short film, so I'm excited that I'm going to get to see it myself because you're, you're fascinated. I, I, love I what think you're I've doing. already seen an email giving you. <laughs> it's I, still I, happening I, very quickly. It's live. We're live. This, this is, is what happens. See, this is this is technology, <laughs> Absolutely. though. This is the technology we talk about. I mean, I tweeted out. I found you on Twitter last night and tweeted out a thing to you and I was like this is amazing and Susan is so Sue is so organized and um, I am her fly by the seat of my pants um, <laughs> radio show host because I'm a serious surgeon in my real job so I am having fun with her and I every Monday I told her I said I get to meet the most fascinating women around the world and uh, you are now officially added to the list <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> Marianne, I want to make sure that we talk about your current project because I know that it's very near and dear to your heart. Um, and just to give a, a quick snippet, you, you took a trip to Morocco. Um, you visited there, and uh, you, were, you were very moved by um, a lot of what you saw there. And I want to give you an opportunity to talk about your project. Yes, um, Susan, I've been to Morocco now four times. So there's something about the country that fascinates me. Um, at the same time, it's closer to home. Um, I find some similarities in Morocco to my culture. It's almost like there's some, we have some roots there, you know, because Portugal is so close to Africa and there's a history and um, there is a relation. And, and I felt that in that country. And when I first went there, I was still at uni. I think it was the summer after my second year. Um, and I remember I stayed behind in the UK working for a month so I could afford to go to Morocco. And we, we did a road trip. So I, I went on a road trip with my friends. So you can imagine a group of very young adults in Morocco on a road trip. It was a fascinating experience and then I went back twice uh, again no one more time with a friend um, and I always found different things that really inspired me I mean at the end of my first journey there I I went back to the UK uh, and I had to write a script and I wrote a short story that stayed with me all these years so all this time, it's been in the back of my mind. So I went back. I, I keep wanting to go back. I think I'll have to go back until I make this film. And the story's been growing. It, it's been a very organic evolution. It's all based on characters that I've met there and things that I've experienced myself. And um, two years ago, I went by myself. I spent... Um, 
was just five days in Marrakesh, wandering around, learning about the culture and um, thinking about that fascinating country. And this year I took a bit of a bigger um, leap and um, I, w I was there for three weeks, almost a month actually, um, just kind of finding those little pieces of the puzzle that were missing. And what I realized was that what I want to, to make now is a film that talks about culture, identity, um, all these topics that are quite relevant at the moment, which is um, the place of um, women in society, the religion, how religion shapes how people behave and discovering ourselves. And I think one thing I noticed that is very different in Morocco at the moment from, for example, the UK, is um, homosexuality is still a crime. And, I mean, this is not something you talk about in Morocco. And I think if I want to talk about uh, sexuality, identity, and the female role in society, having two characters who are homosexual, two, two lesbian girls, is going to give me the chance to really go deep on this theme. Um, so I decided I want to make a film about two very different characters from very different societies who um, are both homosexual, who feel an attraction for each other, and the way they, that being homosexual and that this, the attraction they have for each other affects them, their, their fears, their, the courage they need to find in themselves to be who they are, and the complexity of this exciting, complex society that, from a point of view that we don't usually see. Now, have you been able to talk about this um, idea while in Morocco with any of the people that live there? I have, yes. Um, I met a production manager from uh, Casablanca, who was a very, very interesting woman. Uh, she's very experienced, she's very independent, she's a single mother and she's from Morocco uh, and she's very successful. Uh, so she's a very strong woman in a society where it can be difficult to be that strong and to be a single mom. Mm -hmm. And um, she, was, she found it very interesting uh, and she told me to go go ahead and write this film and show her the script when it's ready so that she can try and help me make it. Because, of course, um, I'm not quite sure how easy it will be to shoot this film there. That's right. Getting, getting permission will, will probably be yes. difficult. As, <laughs> as well yes, as even me talking about it to you feels a bit scary because 
I'm getting the word out there and the world will find out I'm making this film um, and it becomes a reality and and that's it from now on. If I apply for making a film in Morocco, it will be known that I want to make it about um, homosexual characters there, which is a tricky subject. Now, is is this the first time that you've spoken publicly about your idea? Yes. Wow. You can probably feel that on the way I'm talking about. Uh, well, it, I'm I can. More, I'm a little bit more nervous. Yeah, I can't. Well, I I'm honored that you've chosen our platform, Women to Watch, to share this because I, you know, I, while I did not know the topic of your next project, I knew that you were working on something um, important to you. And kind of, uh, you know, in a sensitive topic or subject. Yes. It's because I didn't know it myself. When I, when I got to Morocco this time, I had three characters. One then was male. And no, there wasn't an homosexual character. But I felt that that's what I needed to be doing. It's just... It, 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 I just have to make the story. Let me ask you this, um, I, and I don't know that much about Morocco. Um, I, you know, when you, your very first visit there, did you feel that there was um, some type of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, on women in general, not not necessarily just homosexuality, but, um, you know, Quality. think... Yeah, there you go. Equality. That's the word I was looking for, Beth. Uh, for women there in Morocco. It's, did a, you... it's a different structure in terms of society. And the first time I went there, it was over a decade ago now. So it changed a lot. And that is very interesting to me. That is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I went, I felt very looked at. Um, I felt very different there, for, that I stood out a lot, and not anymore. And Morocco is a very interesting country that is developing in a very exciting way. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got their own views on how they want to evolve and where they want to go. Um, and they, they've changed their laws a lot in the last um, 12 years. Um, for example, in terms of the the right for women to divorce, to get divorced, which is quite a recent right that they've acquired. In, it, and, and as any changes, it kind of takes a while for people to be aware of that they have these rights. So I think Morocco has done the right steps towards equality, but, you know, you need to... It all relies on education and... Um, they they are investing a lot in education. You can see that a lot more women are going to school and studying. But it's a slow process. And also, I'm glad it is a slow process because sometimes when you rush things and you try to just imitate the way another society works, then you kind of ruin it. Because yeah. you you're imposing another way of thinking instead of finding your own way of um evolving and reconciliating with modernity and and listening to human rights and those kind of issues so it's just I, I feel that in 
they just need their time to get there and they go in the right direction. I hope they keep going that way. Let's see what happens in terms of um, gay rights. Yeah, what a great point, though, about, you know, not rushing things because, you, you know, you need in a society to have all the people on board. And it does, it takes some time to kind of um, get them to understand why they should move in a certain direction, whether they're behind other countries or not. Absolutely. And, I mean, when we look at our own societies, when I look at a society here in the U.K. or in Portugal, no society is perfect. Right. And if we think about how women are seen in our society, we have our own issues. So let's not impose to other people the way we think because maybe they'll find better ways forward. That's right. Now, of course, one of the toughest things I know um, when you're, you know, you have an idea and you're um, planning a project, a film, a new film, is the financial support. Um, that's one of the biggest challenges. And have you had anybody in Morocco that is behind you uh, from a financial standpoint? This is a very early stage for this project. So because I work freelance, I only get a certain amount of free time. So... I kind of invested all that free time at the early stage of this year and I haven't got to the stage yet with this project where I've got something I can um, show people strong enough to attract that funding. Right, yeah. So I have a plan, though. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm sure you have a plan. <laughs> Tell it, it actually involves, involves seeing, using, doing filmmaking in a slightly different way. And it's based in the way um, kind of online and media are going forward, which is kind of, you. I want to make it quite public. I want to um, have a blog out there where I write about the project, where I write about my experience in Morocco, where people can follow that and um, give me their feedback on the story. I don't want to just write a script, make it, and that's it. The audience get what's in my head. I want to involve people. You want to bring about so, discussion. Right. So I, exactly. I do. And I think... Go ahead, Beth. <laughs> I, I was just saying that the, the making of the movie is going to be an experience in and of itself. And you people... Absolutely. You'll, you'll, raise, you'll raise awareness for... Um, everyone's going to want to see it then because they're going to be hearing about it along the way, and there's there's something to that that enticement, like giving them a, a little a little piece of, of of what you're doing every single day. Absolutely, I think it, nowadays with things like Kickstarter, yep. you can't be a selfish director anymore. Your films are for the audience. If it wasn't for the audience, there would be no films. And nowadays, with all the technology we got, you can access your audience before you even have the film, and they can back you up, and they can help you make this film. Um, so I've I've created a Facebook page now. Um, I'm just getting the details up so I can tell you what it is. Yeah, no, please <laughs> do. Not much information we, there yet. Yeah, I want to make sure we have a, you know, a few be, minutes. Though, there will be. Is there is there any place, um, Mariana, that that people can go to connect with you on this? Absolutely. So if you go to Facebook, 
So facebook.com forward slash Aisha Kambisha. And I'll spell this out. <laughs> well, and we'll put it out there as well, so, but go ahead and give it. It's Aisha Kambisha short. A-I-S-H-A Q-A-N D for Delta I-S-H A short. It's Aisha Kambisha short. And I know it's a bit of a long name, mm-hmm. but at the moment I'm feeling quite um, strongly about it because Aisha Kandinsha is um, this mythological character with um, half-animal, half-human, who um, is a very dangerous, well, considered dangerous female um, demon who um, attracts men... <laughs> And once a man falls for her, she doesn't let him go. And they'll never be happy with a human woman again. And I just found this legend, which might have Portuguese bases, so exciting, so interesting, that at the moment that's what I'm calling the film. Aisha Kandisha. Now that I wrote it down, I can say it. Um, Mariana, it's so interesting. All, you know, all of your work and, and what you're doing. I, you know, I admire you for your gumption and your curiosity for storytelling and, and sharing important things, um, that are going on around the world. And I thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, no, thank you. It's an honor, really. I love your program and it's so great to be part of something that aims to inspire and encourage women to believe in themselves and do better and go forward in their lives and well, farther. Oh, well, thank you so much. And we will, we'll put out all the information that you shared so that people can find you and, and continue to follow. Out. It's already well. It's already out because thank you. <laughs> technology. She's so thank great. You, Beth. <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll get everybody to go like the page, and I am excited to follow. I I would I'm, I'm excited to follow the movie as you make it because it's that's it's so cool to be part of something that because it's out of my it's out of my normal zone. Mariana, have a great rest of your evening, and we'll be in touch. You too. Have a great day. Okay, that's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. I hope you have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.